Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you in part by Pillsbury. Listen, everyone, I'm always getting creative with exactly how lazy I can be with cooking dinner. And my latest girl dinner discovery is that you can make a meal out of Pillsbury Crescents. That's right. Hello. It's weeknight recipes as easy as fill, roll and bake. It's dinner prep in 30 minutes or less. So if you need inspiration, there's all kinds of recipes on Pillsbury.com. Like I'm looking at one right now, the chicken taco stuffed crescent rolls. I mean, that sounds really good, especially as the weather is getting a bit cooler. That sounds like yummy and cozy for my next Taco Tuesday. And for my next potluck dinner, I want to make this cheesy chicken and broccoli crescent ring. It's like six ingredients and it kind of looks like the perfect thing to nibble on while my friends are over and we're watching The Golden Bachelor. And it's just great for moms too, because it's really simple and you can please your picky eaters and move on with your evening. My latest hack is that you can actually put Pillsbury crescents in the air fryer. So you just put in some parchment paper first, then you roll up your favorite ingredients into a crescent roll. They turn out so crispy and delicious. And they even have a whole section on their website dedicated to air fryer recipes. And friendly reminder that you can find Pillsbury in the dairy aisle and find more weeknight dinner recipes at Pillsbury.com. Once again, that's Pillsbury.com. Find more weeknight dinner recipes there. We'll link to this URL in our show notes. Now on to the show. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Happy Wednesday, everyone. It's your girls, Jill and Carlene, on the mic like we are each and every week sharing the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. Hello there, Jill. Hey, Carlene. And of course, it's great to have our longtime listeners here, as always, and many of whom probably know that as longtime magazine beauty editors, when we started this podcast, we almost exclusively spoke to fearless founders like our guest today, Vicky Sai, the founder of Tatcha. That's right. More than six years ago, we focused on the best-selling products and the stories and founders behind them. People often request we speak to people like Bobby Brown and Tata Harper, and we have. Check out our back catalog. Of course, we still have those conversations, but 
We've evolved since then to also share with you chats with the industry's top experts in hair, makeup, and skincare. People like Makeup by Mario, Renee Rallo, and celebs like Tracy Ellis Ross and Haley Bieber. Dropping those names. I love it. And of course, we review products too in our ever popular hashtag damn good series. But it feels kind of like going back to our roots every time that we get to chat with a founder who really created like a cult favorite product, a cult favorite brand. And that's definitely the case with Vicky Sai from Tatcha, who debuted the brand back in 2009. This is pre Instagram people. And I mean, my favorite product from the brand is the rice wash soft cream cleanser. I just love how it makes my skin feel. It's so gentle, but exfoliating. Plus the silk canvas primer. Ever since I've discovered that I cannot be without it. Mm. I love it. What about you, Carlene? Is the silk canvas primer. I really like the priming SPF, the one Daniel Martin recommended to us. So he's one of their spokespeople and he's a makeup artist famously did Meghan Markle's makeup for her wedding. And I remember when that product first launched, he recommended that to us on our show. You guys can go back and listen I love it. The packaging was a little, but uh, yeah. it's it really does feel like a primer. It's so good. Yeah. SPF 50 and it's a mineral product. And I actually do ask her about that in the interview. Just there were some hiccups with the packaging. So a little teaser of what's to come. The number one best-selling product from the brand is the Dewy Skin Cream Plumping and Hydrating Moisturizer. It's around 72 US dollars and 97 Canadian. In fact, one is sold every single minute. And on top of that... At the time of the recording, I was able to confirm that that particular moisturizer, it's the number one best-selling moisturizer in all of Sephora. You heard me right. Wow. That is quite a feat. So this brand is not one to be slept on at all. And the fact that she has been able to, you know, maintain such this sort of like cult following for the brand is incredible. And I think it during the holidays that are coming up as well. I think it's a very giftable brand as well. Mm -hmm. It's all about ritual, you know? So I think it's just incredible how beloved this brand still is. Absolutely. And I actually was not with you when you did this interview with Vicky. You were in New York and you got to meet with her in person, which I think is so fun. I was traveling in Las Vegas at the time. So I will be hearing all of this for the first time as well. But I will say I was surprised to hear that the Dewy Skin Cream Moisturizer is far and away their bestseller. I don't know why. I just thought mm-hmm. they're, you know, they have these other, they're so well known for their cleanser, like the the rice, mm-hmm. all of that. And I need to go back and try it because... Yeah, it's just, it's just so dewy and plumping. And honestly, I do feel fortunate for this chat because Tatcha was acquired by Unilever back in 2019 for more than half a billion dollars. And as is the case, a lot of times when brands get acquired, the founders sort of like take a step back and Vicky did, but then she actually re-entered the chat, if you will, and stepped up more so in a front facing role as founder especially during all of the anti-Asian hate that was happening. Mm. And she really came forward and spoke on that. And it's like something she's extremely passionate about. And she basically just does not give a lot of interviews anymore, period. So we are very fortunate to have her on the mic. And I think that we caught her just at the right time where she's sort of ready to open up a bit more. And uh, I think people will be really interested in what she has to say. Definitely. It's just one of those Sephora darling brands, Tatcha, you know, and I feel like it's been a long time coming that, you know, she should have been on our show already. I feel like it's just she's got to be in the library. 
So Jill, tell us what we're going to hear about today. So we're going to hear Vicky's backstory, you know, how her burnout working in corporate America actually inspired her journey to get acquainted with Japanese geisha culture. And that's how that sparked the entire idea to create the very first Tatcha product, which was blotting papers. Not everybody knows that. Uh, Oh, I remember. Ancient beauty editor here. (laughs) (laughs) And she also shares pretty wild story about funding her business idea. I mean, Carlene, would you ever pawn your engagement ring for a startup fund? No, I would not. I absolutely (laughs) would not. Vicky, this says a lot about Vicky. Respect. So yeah, I understand that Vicky did just that. And I'm excited to get the backstory and why she believes beauty brands of all stripes need to be doing way more to combat Asian hate. Plus, stay tuned to the end as I ask her what it was like being part of the Meghan and Harry Netflix docuseries. I mean, she's close friends with the Sussexes, Mm. so I needed to get all the details on that. And plus, we do a fun round of rapid fire, including the one thing that nobody knows about her. And of course, we get all of the details on the legendary Dewey Cream. So welcome, Vicky Sai. This episode is brought to you in part by Ritual Confession Time. I've always had a bit of a challenge taking supplements. I don't like taking a lot of pills, so I really like something that's easy, all in one, and I can feel confident that it's quality. It's going to do what it says it's going to do. Cute packaging, fresh minty flavor, that always helps too. Enter Ritual. It was practically made by skeptics. So I take two of the Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamins every morning doesn't upset my stomach even when I've only had tea. They contain nine nutrients using high quality and traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms. That's important. It's one of the few multivitamins that are USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Ritual is my go-to now. I would take it every day of my life if I could. And I love partnering with brands like this because I genuinely feel so happy to be able to share a promo code with you guys, my Breaking Beauty fam. In this economy, we all love a promo code. And we're going to link to this one in our show notes and on our website under episode recap. So no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Ritual is offering our listeners 30% off during your first month. That's awesome. Visit ritual.com slash breaking beauty to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's 30% off during your first month when you visit ritual.com slash breaking beauty. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three, once divorced and now remarried to a much younger man, uncut and uncensored with Caroline Stanbury follows me as I live my life unapologetically and shows you that there is life after 40. I discuss everything from relationships, health, wellness, business, parenting, friendships. I'm here to let you know that not only is there a life after divorce, but you have the power to make it your best one yet, just like I did. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday, anywhere you get your podcasts.
Welcome to Breaking Beauty Podcast, Vicki. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that when I was reading a little bit about your backstory, you were born in Missouri, Mm -hmm. but you spent many of your formative years in Texas. So to me, when I think of Texas, I think like big hair, Vaseline on teeth, beauty pageants, (laughs) you know, kind of cheerleader culture. So tell us if we were to look back at your yearbook photo from that time, what would we see? It was a tough time. Oh, really? Yeah. I grew up mostly in New Jersey. Yeah. And New Jersey is is diverse. Yeah. And I felt at home. Yeah. And then I moved to a small town outside of Houston, Texas, when right before I turned 14. So I went to high school there. So I was new. I had a bad perm. I was one of the only Asians in my school, one of the few people of color. And so I I was just one of these kids was not like the other. Right. So in terms of what did my yearbook photo look like, it, it looked like me with a bad perm. And I definitely did not fit the model of beauty there at all. Right. It is cheerleading and beauty pageants, or it was back then. And so I threw myself into academics because I felt like there was no way I would ever, I would ever be remotely attractive by that standard. That also meant that I didn't participate in the rituals of Texas high school. So no dances and no homecomings and none of that. So I felt like an outsider. Yeah. But what I appreciate about those experiences when you don't feel, you know, a part of something is that you have to really explore your individuality and what you're really about, what you like. And then for me, it also was about developing empathy for anybody else who ever feels like they're not, you know, part of the mainstream. And what was your relationship like to beauty growing up? I mean, I grew up very much feeling like the ugly duckling everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even now, I'm not comfortable with my picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't have a wedding photo. I just don't really like it, which isn't to say I haven't accepted, you know, the body that I, I move through this world in. And if anything, I've developed a great appreciation for it. But, you know, it was very formative. And so my mom ended up opening up a beauty store in Houston it was in a Chinatown area because oftentimes the uh, women who live in Chinatown don't feel comfortable going into a Nordstrom's or a mm-hmm. Saks. It doesn't feel like it's for them. And so I would sometimes work in the summer and the weekend with helping her set up the windows or inventory. Yeah. And I got to play with everything and imagine what it would be like to have uh, you know, an ugly duck transformation one right. day. So for me, initially, makeup and beauty was about transformation mm-hmm. externally and the hope that if one day I looked pretty enough that I would be worth loving. Do you remember like maybe your first product that did make you sort of feel like you had transformed? Was it a lipstick or mascara or a fragrance even? Yeah, for me, it was two things. One, skincare has always been really, really big for us. Mm -hmm. So I started taking care of my skin when I was about 12. Mm -hmm. And there was something about the act of just washing your face and taking care of your skin and checking in with yourself that was very grounding for me. Mm And then on the beauty side, I have been doing the same cat eye since I was 12. (laughs) And there's just something about having your eyes done, especially when you're Asian. Yeah. That makes you feel a little bit more seen. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Shiseido had a liquid, like carbon black liner. I don't think they make it anymore, but I learned how to make a cat eye with that in a Q-tip. And that's been my my go-to ever since. And what was your first job? Like, did you work in your mom's shop or? Oh gosh, I started working very early. Babysitting, tutoring. I was a Kumon math tutor early on, which oh, wow. is like a math cramming school. Okay. Babysitting. Those were my early ones. Yeah. This is a question that I like to ask because I feel like it happens to successful people at one point or another. Have you ever been let go from, from a job ever? 
So I haven't been let go, but mm-hmm. I did quit a job. Okay. And I felt like if I didn't quit, I was going to get fired. Okay. And it was as a VC-backed startup, I was the first business hire and I was the only woman on the team. And so we would have meetings where it, nothing was connecting. It was a room full of academics and then one business person. And it just, we were just not on the same page at all. It was also a time where I had worked in big companies. So I had worked on Wall Street here in New York City. Mm-hmm. I had worked for the largest CPG company in the world. I had worked for Starbucks. So which is, you know, a medium-sized company. I had worked for all sorts of companies, all sorts of sizes, different cities, different mm-hmm. industries. And now I'm in a VC-backed startup in Silicon Valley. And each one looked pretty on my resume, but left me feeling emptier inside. And also not a part of what was really happening. And the one thing that was in common in all these spaces was that it was all white men, yeah. always. And so it's a little bit like your question about high school. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like, no matter what I do, yeah. one of these kids is not like the other. And mm-hmm. sometimes like we're talking past each other and I can't figure out what I can do to try to connect with right. you and help you, have you hear me and see me. Right. And so you were just like, I'm out. You quit. I, I'm out. And I said, I woke up one day and this like voice came out of me that I did not recognize as my own. And I, I said, I choose happiness. Mm-hmm. And I lied there in bed. I was like, what does that mean? I choose happiness. And then I got up and I typed a letter, a resignation letter. And then I went in and I said, I respect everything that you guys are doing here. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I am not the person for this job. Mm-hmm. And then just took the leap. <laughs> This episode is brought to you in part by Macy's. Man, the holidays are coming up fast. Forget Halloween. Everywhere I turn, it seems like everyone is skipping straight to Christmas. Do not pass Thanksgiving. Hello, Hanukkah. And you'll definitely want to visit Macy's for all of your holiday needs because Macy's has all of the essentials and fun extras to decorate, host, entertain, and generally get into the spirit no matter which holiday you're celebrating let the gift wish list begin. You can check out Macy's.com slash Holiday Hub for inspiration, including some of everyone's perennial beauty faves like gift sets from Kylie Cosmetics, Anastasia Beverly Hills, and Laura Geller, who's making quite the comeback in 2023. Heads up. Plus, if you're feeling the pinch on your wallet this holiday season, I know I am, and you're out there scouring for deals, we are smack in the middle of Macy's lowest prices of the season sale right now until October 22nd. You can get 40 to 60% off regular sale and clearance items, everything from clothing, shoes, and handbags to home decor. Maybe you need some new Christmas ornaments. I would like to get that at a massive discount. I don't know about you. By the way, did you know they have a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Snow Village collection? I want that. You can find details at Macy's.com. And remember, if you're short on gift ideas, have a gander at Macy's.com slash Holiday Hub. We'll link to that in our show notes and on our website under episode recaps. And now back to our guest. How did you come to start Tatcha. It was in 2009, I believe. It was that day that I said, I choose happiness, yeah. that everything started. And I didn't know what that meant, but I just That's knew. Scary. It, it, yeah. Up until that point, yeah. I, my career had been engineered. That's right. And so it's like, you know, go to Wellesley, go to Harvard Business School and, and go to the best investment bank. And everything was about this beautiful resume. And then at one point I was like, burn the resume. I don't care. Yeah. Now I have to start following my heart. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm in my early thirties, but I got to figure it out. 
So I started just exploring my interests from like a gut perspective for the Mm -hmm. first time instead of what looks good on paper. And that led me to Japan. And when I was there, I ended up meeting geisha and studying their rituals that healed my skin, but it also really healed my spirit from a lot of traumatic experiences growing up, including being at Ground Zero on 9-11, including having to go back there for work every day for the next three years, having to take care of my my fiance who turned into my husband at the time because he got very sick from that experience. And so it was a very healing journey for me in Japan. And it wasn't just one, it was went on for, still goes on. Yeah. And so I created Tatcha as a way of sharing the experiences that I continue to have there that healed my skin, but also healed my spirit. Right. Now, how did you sort of infiltrating and learning more about geisha practices? It's it's probably not that easy to sort of get access to that world. I was so lucky. I was so lucky. They are almost impossible to me. And so I've, but I've had the opportunity to study with 15 of them. And there's actually one on our team. Um, She's one of our global ambassadors. The first one that I met was pure fate or luck. I'm not, I don't know how to, to say it. The Goldleaf artisans who shared the blotting papers with me that became Mm -hmm. the first thing that we launched. They're the ones who told me that Geisha and Kabuki actors were the first to discover that the byproduct of their gold leaf hammering process was actually amazing for the skin. Mm -hmm. And then they're the ones who introduced me to the geisha because I asked. And then as I started learning more about them, they've never been concubines. They've Mm -hmm. been miscast by the Western male imagination. They're revered artists, basically like female kabuki actors, except they also are trained in classical Japanese arts like tea ceremony, flower ceremony, incense ceremony. They're incredible. Geisha actually means art person in Japanese. Mm -hmm. They're not sex workers. They never have been. Mm -hmm. I just became really fascinated with this this artistry. We don't have any equivalent like that in in the Western world. And so then this incredible woman named Nami Onodera joined our our founding team. And she's still with us as the executive director of culture and education. And she was the one who started developing the relationships within Kyoto and beyond. I asked a geisha once, how do you want me to explain what you do when I talk to people? And she said, you know, there used to be 10,000 of us. Now there's a couple hundred and there's less every day. Mm. It's a dying art. But we think today that we represent the importance of the past because they're the physical embodiment of, of Japanese culture. And she said, because we think that if you forget where you come from, then you'll never know where you're going. Right. And I, I think just philosophically, that's a really interesting thing that we have to always remember who we are, where we come from, what our roots are, what's important to us. Yeah. You're so well-versed in this, you know, geisha culture now, and but you're not Japanese yourself. I feel yeah. like people probably maybe ask, that question ask you that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I created Tatcha as a way of sharing these incredible experiences yeah. that I find, including rituals, philosophies, ingredients from Japan. But the people who bring it to life, the founding team, they're all Japanese. Mm-hmm. So we've got Shuichi Tanaka, who was a 37-year vet with uh, a major beauty brand in Japan. He has been on the team all this time. He's our general manager of Japan. Masato Tagawa, our chief scientist, he's also still with the team. Both of them are 75. I love them. Oh, wow. And he is the one who really drives all of our formulations, along with Nakamura-san, his senior scientist, and they created the Tatcha Institute for us. We've got Nami Onodera, who is the executive director of uh, education and culture, who's been with us from the beginning as well. So all of the founding team is still here. We're all still kicking. Mm-hmm. All the ingredients are from Japan. Everything is made in Japan. And we're, we really endeavor to celebrate philosophies of well-being from Japanese culture that could benefit everyone everywhere. Yeah. I think it's interesting, the people who have questions about whether the brand has 
the ability to share this because of my parents' background, Mm -hmm. especially because oftentimes I know it's coming from a good place, Mm -hmm. but it's not super well-informed. Right. So my parents are from Taiwan Mm -hmm. and uh, Taiwan was occupied by Japan for 50 years in modern history. And so my grandfather's primary language when he was born was Japanese. He had to learn Mandarin when the Japanese occupation left. Most of my aunts and uncles have Japanese names. When you walk around Taiwan, Mm -hmm. it looks a lot like Japan and vice versa, because when one culture occupies another for 50 years, it leaves an imprint. There is braiding of the cultures that are left. And so sometimes I'm not suggesting them Japanese. I'm not. I'm very proud to be Taiwanese Mm -hmm. American and Chinese American. But culture is not, look at New York City, like culture is not something where you have it, you don't, you have it, you don't. Because these things happen, like they're, they're integrated into one another. And so I think the question always comes from a really good place, Mm -hmm. but I do encourage people who have strong feelings about it to maybe read a little bit about Asia Pacific history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's, no, that's fascinating. (laughs) I didn't realize that that was the case. That's very fascinating. There's been so much written about your story over the years. I also understand that you had an engagement ring from your (laughs) husband that you were like, maybe I don't need this right now. I would rather, you know, have the money from this to start Tatcha. Is that a true story? It's a true story. I think the only twist there is I'm the one who proposed to my husband. Oh. um, And I'm the one who bought the ring. Oh. And so uh, when I decided to sell the ring for a profit, Mm -hmm. diamond prices were high that year uh, to invest in the company. I was grateful that he was okay with it. Yeah. But it wasn't like somebody gave me a precious gift and I sold it. I bought that ring. Yeah. (laughs) Fair, fair. You put a ring on it yourself. Yes. (laughs) Did you ever get it back? Or did you get a different one that you like more after? It's so funny that you said that because not that long ago when I was in New York City, Mm -hmm. I was on the block where I bought the ring. Really? And I was like, I should go, I should go see if they, if they have anything like that. And I called them and I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I bought a ring here 20 some odd years ago, I sold it back to you because I knew the money started a company. I was wondering if I can stop in to see what you have right now. And they said, oh, did you get our email? And I was like, what email? And they said, oh, is that why you're calling? Because we got we got a diamond that's almost exactly like the one that you sold. And we, we knew that you always had wanted it back. And we have one here. And do you want to come see it? And I was like, I am downstairs. So I went upstairs and I looked at it. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. But since then, we've been funding girls' education in partnership with Room to Read. Mm-hmm. And you can send a girl to school for a day. You know, the numbers change every year, but it's about about a buck. And when I looked at that ring, it was so beautiful. But I also thought about all the girls that you can send to school for yeah. that money. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So no, I haven't bought it back and I don't own any fine jewelry. Yeah. I don't own a lot of things of value except for my home so that my family can have a place that we can be. And my focus is really philanthropy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But that's a wild. Was there any part of you that was like, this is meant to be. I'm downstairs. Maybe I should just. Yes. There's a part of me. I was like, oh, (laughs) it's a sign. I meant to get my my ring back. But no. (laughs) 
High Smile is one of our show partners today. So in case you missed it, a couple of weeks ago, we had a very special bonus episode dedicated to getting your best smile ever. And we had an amazing guest, Dr. Lawrence Walsh. He's been a professor of dental science for more than 40 years. And we learned so much. I mean, he debunked Reddit oral care hacks. He spilled the tea on the most scientifically proven best electric toothbrush out there. I mean, add to cart. And he also happens to be the scientific advisor for High Smile, which is the global leading smile care brand providing smile care solutions for every smile concern across whitening, brightening and everyday care. So we got the scoop from him on the trend of smile brightening with the High Smile V34 color corrector. So this is a tooth brightening serum step. So on TikTok, you might have seen it referred to as purple toothpaste. But basically what you do is you brush your teeth with your normal toothpaste. And then this goes on as a second step and you put it on your teeth and it kind of works like how a purple shampoo works to neutralize any brassy or yellow tones in your hair. So when you apply purple onto your teeth, it neutralizes the yellow undertones, it cancels them out, and you're left with a perceptively brighter shade of white when you smile, which is so cool. And I think this is great to do before a big event or when you want to get that extra dose of confidence when you smile. And the High Smile V34 Color Corrector, they sell two every second. So this is in demand. And great news for our Breaking Beauty listeners. If you'd like to try it for yourself, you can visit HighSmileTeeth.com and use code SMILE for up to 50% off your order. So use code SMILE at checkout for up to 50% off your order. We'll link to this in our show notes and on our website. Now back to the show. Let's talk a little bit more about the original product, which were the blotting papers. And you're going to have to help me pronounce the original name. Abura Turigami? Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. The Japanese blotting papers, you know, blotting papers, they existed in 2009. So let's talk a little bit more about why these were so special. Why these are special. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I had acute dermatitis. Okay. And I had grown up using blotting papers because that's a standard in Asia. And the ones that were here, though, because I needed them because I looked yeah. greasy with my acute dermatitis. I can only use Aquaphor on my face. They either had powder on them, mineral oil on them. They were made of the kind of paper that sort of disintegrates if it gets yeah. too wet. Sticks to your face. Sticks to your I face. I remember those Remember days. those? Yeah. The uh, papier poudres, yeah. if you will. And then there was like the blue plastic ones yes. with the mineral oil on them. Then a lot of them are fragranced. And so I couldn't put any of these things on my skin. One, it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And two, it would irritate my skin even more. I was on three years of steroids and antibiotics for oh, wow. this acute dermatitis. My entire face was bleeding and blistering and scaling, including my lips and my eyelids. So it was really important that I found something that was going to make me not so greasy looking, but then also not make it worse. Because it was a yeah. it was a really difficult skin condition to have. Yeah, yeah. And the only ones that worked were these ones that I got in Japan. They were large. They were super absorbent. They were very soft and gentle in the skin. But then when I found out that they're the byproduct of the gold leaf feeding process, that they're completely natural, no mineral oil, no fragrance, no powders, and that they have this history that is so beautiful and so mm-hmm. rich. What I fell in love with was, was what they embodied. Yeah. So in Japan, things that are precious are leafed yeah. in gold. Right. Like Kinkokuji is this golden temple in Kyoto. It's actually a summer palace, but anything that's precious is going to be leafed in gold. And the way that you turn gold into gold leaf is you have to hammer it. And so until it's just like a few micrometers in thickness, but it will stick to the to each other and it'll stick to the hammer if you don't have like paper in between. So it's beading paper. Oh, I see. Yeah. And this paper is made out of, of a special kind of leaf called abaca leaf. 
And it has to be a certain grade of epic leaf. There's like 10 grades of it. So it's the finest grade of it. And I think this is the same paper they write like their constitution on. Oh, wow. And so you place the gold in between this hammering or beating paper and they bind it and then they have a massive hammer that hammers, hammers, hammers. And then when it's getting hammered, what's happening is the fibers end up spreading and they become very flat and thin. And so when the paper is done, and they're, they're done hammering with it, it becomes silky smooth, but really, really, really absorbent. Okay. And that's why you can touch it to your skin and it'll wick away excess oil, but not pull water from the skin. And so in 2012, you made the move into skincare. Mm-hmm. What's the number one bestseller in Tatcha? And tell me a bit about your inspiration there. When people come directly to us, what yeah. they usually do is get a, a little ritual of mm-hmm. four steps. Okay. And the four steps are a cleansing oil to take off the day, a rice enzyme powder to polish your skin like a jewel, an essence, which increases the hydration of your skin by, I think, 650% instantly. So usually from us, what people end up doing is getting a little ritual. Mm -hmm. But if they're buying it in Sephora, for example, they'll often start with a dewy skin cream. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's been the number one moisturizer at Sephora for some time now. So the the dewy skin cream, what what was your thought process there? What On that one? Yeah. Yeah. The reason that skin looks dewy is because it's so hydrated Mm -hmm. and it has the right blend of emollients to give it that beautiful glow. And that glow is also helping keep moisture in the skin. Yeah. And so we looked at some of the ingredients that we most love in our Japanese history, including red algae and Japanese purple rice, which is a really powerful antioxidant plus how to say three, which is the green tea, rice, and seaweed that we ferment twice and then floods your aquaporin channels with uh, water, amino acid, and lactic acid, and helps all active ingredients go about 30% deeper into the skin than water. And you put these things together and you put this cream on, not only does it feel luxurious, but your skin literally, it plumps up mm-hmm. and it has the sheen of health. Right. And for us, it's never about youth because you can be beautiful at every age, but it's about the the health of your skin mm-hmm. as an organ. How I remember finding out about the dewy skin cream was from makeup artists. Mm, I yeah. feel like it is Dana that. Martin. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like there's a lot of love between the makeup artist community and the Tatcha dewy skin cream oh, vibe, Makeup right? artists have been the people who have really, really done so much to help tell our story. You know, and we know that every successful brand, they have their big wins, you know, selling a moisturizer every minute mm-hmm. at Sephora. That's a pretty big win. But, you know, there's some product launches that don't always pan out exactly according to plan. So in your Tatcha journey, the SPF you guys created that's truly a primer. Daniel introduced me to it. Oh, yeah. But I did have a little thing where the cap color was coming off. I know. So, yeah, that one, thank goodness that one's fixing. Okay. Um, So there's all these tests that you do Uh when you create a formula, especially from scratch. So we create our formulas from scratch. Our Most of our important raw materials are from scratch. Our packaging is custom from scratch. We do easily $250,000 of uh, clinical testing on every formula. We create everything like a couture dress from scratch, in-house. We don't do the white label, grab a product, stick your name on it, put nothing in there and say that it's a magical product. That said, sometimes when we're doing launches, sometimes the testing hasn't gone on for long enough. Mm. So for that particular one, and there's all these different types of testing, efficacy testing, safety testing, compatibility testing, cycle freeze thaw testing, ocular testing. For that particular one, that is coming from packaging compatibility testing. So there's something in the formula that is interacting oh, with a coating mm-hmm. on the cap and it's making the coating on the cap come off. And as soon as we figured that out, we fixed it. 
But supply chain stuff takes a while to work through. We're really, really proud of the quality of the things that we make. But every now and then, yeah, you got to fix things. Yeah. Especially because we're going through our sustainability changes. Of course. Yeah, that's... And thank you for clarifying that because I think a lot of people fell in love with that product because it is really hard to get a primer that works well with an SPF. So I was just like the great hybrid, great Uh ideas. So I wanted to ask you about Daniel because Uh we've had him on our podcast. And tell us the story of how you both met and came together. He's amazing. Yeah. He's one of my best friends. Okay. I met him virtually when we were just starting Tatcha. Mm -hmm. I sent him some blotting papers and he was an up and coming new makeup artist for his agency at the time. Okay. And he loved them and called me and said, I'm going to use them backstage at Fashion Week. Would you mind sending me more? I want to give them to the models and actresses I've been working with. And he he taught me so much about navigating the beauty industry, introduced me to editors. Mm -hmm. He's the reason why when we launched just the blotting papers alone, there was a feature in Vogue because he introduced me to, you know, his good friends. Mm -hmm. And when he became our global director of artistry a few years ago. It meant so much to both of us because he was actually the first Asian American global director of artistry for a beauty brand. Incredible. In history. And that was that was a major moment for us. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw recently he was like at the White House or something. He He's has had me out at the White House for a couple of events too. Okay. Um, he moves in really important spaces. Mm-hmm. And when he's there, not only is he doing his artistry, yeah. but he's representing such an important voice from the API community. I'm so yeah. proud of him as a leader. Yeah. And in terms of just the community, since mm-hmm. you brought it up, have you seen changes on that front since you started? Do you think that's been more progressive or we have seen advancements in representation? The API community has a really complicated history mm-hmm. in the U.S. especially. Mm-hmm. The Chinese Exclusion Act was was only pulled a handful of years before my parents immigrated. Mm-hmm. So we grew up with uh, a lot of the model minority myth, the issues with invisibility, fears of being thrown into internment camps. And then when COVID hit and a lot of people automatically assume that if you were of Asian descent, somehow it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Life became very dangerous. Yeah, It was helpful for some voices to come out and some media coverage to be there around the impact of of this on the AAPI community. Mm -hmm. I often felt in danger. I was very worried for my employees who are often AAPI women. Mm -hmm. My daughter's life was threatened. When I moved to Wyoming, I had a neighbor who, you know, would regularly threaten me when I was in the streets. I was just trying to get the mail. I don't think that things are better. I think that we just talk about it less because Mm -hmm. the moment passed in the media. Mm -hmm. And so as an API leader, I think a lot about what I can do to make things better for those who come after us. Yeah. I initiated some research with Harvard Business School because before COVID, Harvard Business Review had put out an article that said Asian Americans are the least likely group in America to be promoted into leadership. Mm -hmm. And indeed, less than 0.1% of corporate directors are Asian American women. Wow. So the bamboo ceiling and the impacts of that are real. We are very often the target of sexual assault and sexual harassment, but we are the least likely to report it because there's a culture of of silence and and fear and intimidation Mm -hmm. with our community. But beyond that, it makes me even more empathetic to the experiences of other diverse people, mm-hmm. whether it's my African-American brothers and sisters, my my Latina, my LGBTQX community. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me back to your first question of high school, yeah. which is when you don't look like the mainstream, how does that affect your sense of safety and belonging and mm-hmm. sense of self-worth? Mm-hmm. So it's just made me more passionate as a philanthropist to think about how I can support 
various diverse communities of underserved people Mm -hmm. to make this world safer and more equal for our children. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. I would encourage my other beauty founders and my other beauty CEOs to think about how they can use their businesses as a catalyst for positive change. They have voices, they have platforms, they have reach, they have advertising dollars. It is a competitive industry, but it is an industry with the ability to shape conversation. I don't see enough giving back in beauty. Mm -hmm. When they do give back, it's often in the form of campaigns. So you give 50,000, but you spend half a million talking about how philanthropic you are. Right. I expect and demand more from my brothers and sisters in the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. We can do much better. Switching gears a little bit, I'm a devoted royal watcher, and I personally was delighted to see your face pop up as an interview subject in the Meghan and Harry docuseries on Netflix. What was that like to film? And as a friend of Meghan's, you know, it was, it became like a cultural phenomena. Mm. I felt it was important for people to know that these are real human beings. Mm -hmm. I don't care how interesting things are in the media. People are people Mm -hmm. and it's a real love story. I think there's a lot of courage. I think there's a lot that we're going to look back on and say, I can't believe that we allowed social media to become such a vehicle Mm -hmm. of the monetization of disinformation and hate. And they're a case study in what happens to real human beings when that is allowed to run free. Mm -hmm. I think more than anything, whether you like them or love them, it doesn't, or hate them, it doesn't really matter. People are allowed to have their own opinions. Mm -hmm. But I think what is indisputable is the facts behind the monetization of hate and disinformation on social media that affects all of us, Mm -hmm. including our children. That I'm not okay with. So. I was honored to be able to lend my voice in a small way to an issue that they're trying to shine a light on. Yeah. We're going to close it out with a few fun rapid fire questions to get to know you a little bit better beyond the business. So what's your greatest extravagance? Really good toilet paper. Okay. (laughs) It's just one of those things where it's like, don't use the cheap stuff. Yeah. Just just throw down for the the really plushy double ply because it's worth it and you're worth it. What was your New Year's resolution this year and have you stuck to it? Oh, what a great question. My New Year's resolution this year was to learn how to play again. I spent most of my adult life really thinking about duty and how I could show up for others as the best CEO and wife and mom and daughter and sister and everything that I could be for other people. But sometimes I think as a grown up, you can lose your sense of joy and play in that. And so I just told myself, I'm going to make a list of things that I want to do and, and just start doing them. So I tried pottery for the first time. I am not good. Um, (laughs) I started buying books to read again. I went back to martial arts and I'm just playing and having a lot of fun. I love that. (laughs) So you're sticking to it. That's good. (laughs) What is something that no one knows about you? No one knows about Mm -hmm. me that I'm going to (laughs) (laughs) on on camera right now. (laughs) Okay. I have a fear of bumps. Of what? Bumps. Oh. Yeah. And it's probably why I'm so big on exfoliation. And I have ingredients in every single formula that secretly exfoliate your skin because I can't like even, I like, I start glitching (laughs) if I see a bump. And sometimes people will find me at like a cocktail party and they find out what I do and they mistake me for a dermatologist and they show me something disgusting on their bodies. (laughs) And they're like, what is this? And it's usually bumpy. And I'm like, you're like, I gotta go get a refill. I'm glitching. glitching." (laughs) What's the book or movie 
that's most influenced you in your life? Ram Das, Polishing the Mirror. Ram Das was a, a spiritual thought leader who passed somewhat recently. He had a lot of really beautiful perspectives on the spirit, the body, the mind, what it is to move through this world. But reading him really helped clarify for me ideas that I had been introduced to through Zen and Buddhism, but this idea of the ego and the witness. So the ego is like your prefrontal cortex, and it's this thing in your brain that tells you the stories and sometimes lies of your life. And you know, it, it tells you your identity, but also this is good, this is bad, I like this, I don't like this. And it's kind of it's kind of also the drama. Have you seen that that meme on TikTok? Yeah. Am I the drama? <laughs> yeah. I'm the drama. So that's your ego. The witness is this, you're like your your ancient wise self that that lives outside the drama. And sometimes, you know, when we're too much in our own story, the main characters of our own of our own movies, it's helpful to be able to hop out of the ego and sit from the perspective of the witness, almost like a third party, and look back and be like, wow, Vicky you think pretty highly of yourself today. Mm-hmm. Why are you getting so triggered about that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's a conversation between my higher self and my ego self. Mm-hmm. And it's a practice that I've really gotten into so that I can better understand why I have my belief systems, why I act the way that I do, why I react the way that I do so that I can be more thoughtful and responsive to how I show up in the world and the energy that I bring to people in a situation. So I, I really love Ram Dass overall, mm-hmm. but that book in particular was about looking in the mirror right. and polishing it. Yeah. Let's, let's start with us. Yeah. yeah. My final question is, what are the words of advice or affirmations that you most often share with your daughter? Oh, with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. I, I think it's around being kind to yourself and being gentle with yourself. I've tr- She's 13 now, and I've tried to keep her in this protective bubble. No social media, careful about her friends to make sure that they she's surrounding herself with people who uplift her instead of, you know, tear her down. Yeah. But the world finds a way in, yeah. especially when you're 13. And it's so easy. I think that's the year that you really start transitioning from being someone who loves himself to being someone who can be really hard on themselves. Yes. And my mentors in Japan, whenever I have calls with them every week, the last thing they say to me when I get off the phone is, be gentle with yourself. And so I try to remind my daughter of that too. Because, you know, the world can be hard on us. Life will be hard on us. We don't need to be hard on us too. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank and you. that takes, you know, that I feel like goes a long way. Well, thank you so much, Vicky, thank for joining so us, uh, joining us at Breaking Beauty Podcast. It was great to meet you. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.